This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen. Hi everyone and welcome to this new episode of Cafe Connect, where we bring you the latest research from the University of Aberdeen. My name is Barbara Gorgoni and I'm part of the public engagement with the research unit here at the university. In this series, we meet different researchers who talk about their work and its relevance to our life. And if you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Please email peru at abdn.ac.uk. That's P-E-R-U at abdn.ac.uk. And we will put your questions and comments to our speakers. Keep in mind, however, that they won't be able to answer any personal or medical questions. So today, I'm delighted to welcome two speakers, Professor Paul McNamee from the Health Economics Research Unit at the University of Aberdeen, and Lucy Giles, Public Health Intelligence Principal at Public Health Scotland. We will discuss minimum unit pricing for alcohol, that was introduced in Scotland a few years ago and what impact uh, uh, this has had. So welcome both. Thank you. So I'll start off by asking Lucy, what does a health intelligence principle do? Uh, It's a good question, Barbara. Thank you very much for asking it. Um, So basically, as a public health intelligence principal, I lead a team of people um, to essentially synthesise evidence around public health interventions that, um, you know, evidence that would show whether those uh, interventions are impactful or not um, and have an impact on um, health at a population level. We can use that evidence then to help inform policy. Um, and then we can also monitor trends in certain diseases, monitor how trends in diseases are changing over time uh, or maybe differential by different subgroups, how things like uh, deprivation can impact on different diseases. And we also um, use all of that information and evidence to conduct research and evaluations around impl- uh, interventions that have been implemented and what the impact of those things are. My particular area of work is very much around alcohol. Um, I'm involved in the evaluation of uh, minimum unit pricing, um, which is obviously what we're here to talk about today. Thank you. And so can you then, can we start by talking a little bit about this minimum unit pricing uh, um, policy that was introduced um, in, and what it means in terms of uh, the price of alcohol uh, and why and when it was introduced in Scotland? Of course. So essentially, minimum unit pricing sets a a price floor for all alcoholic beverages that are sold in Scotland, whether that be through supermarket shops or through pubs, clubs, restaurants. Um, That's currently set at 50 pence per unit of alcohol. Uh, so, So no drink in Scotland can be sold at below that level. Um... It was introduced because of consistently high rates of harm, particularly to health. So we have persistently high rates of alcohol-related death, uh, alcohol-related hospital admissions, um, and those are entirely avoidable. They're caused by alcohol and and they can absolutely be avoided. Um, So that's why the policy was brought in, because there is a, a close relationship between the affordability of a product and then consumption rates that we see at a population level. 
So at the time, it was brought in in Scotland in May 2018, and at the time that it was brought in, it was it was unique in uh, in terms of the sort of global public health picture. So there were different forms of MEP that had been brought in elsewhere, but in terms of that that sort of floor price that was set for all alcoholic beverages across the whole country, we were the first people to, to actually do that. So it's obviously very important that we evaluate the impact of that. Um, there's an important aspect of the legislation as well that um, actually allows for what's, what's called a sunset clause, and that allows for a period of review where Parliament will um, take in evidence around the impact of MEP um, on a range of different outcomes um, and then make a decision as to whether the policy should continue. Okay, thank you. And so do you know what the public attitude has been towards this policy? So as part of the evaluation, we have conducted some research um, that was through the Scottish uh, Social Attitudes Survey. And that was really to try and understand how people in Scotland did feel about the introduction of the policy. In general, a greater proportion of people ha- have been in favour of the policy being introduced than have been against it. And that proportion has increased over time. So so several years before the policy was implemented, the, the proportion of people who were in favour and against, although there were slightly more people in favour, it was a closer, a closer uh, approximation in terms of the proportion. Over time, um, and certainly since the policy has actually been implemented, a greater proportion of people are now in favour. Nearly twice as many people are in favour of the policy as are actually, you know, express anything against the policy. Um, the most popular reasons around why people are in favour of it are really just around generally sort of tackling alcohol um, consumption at, at, at kind of excessive levels in Scotland and trying to reduce the number of people who drink too much. Um, those that um, are maybe against the policy feel like that essentially the policy potentially might not be effective that you know no matter what you do people will always will always drink and it doesn't matter what price you charge for alcohol that's those were the main reasons that we were sort of seeing around people being in favor or against the policy and so has this is this public perception then is this backed by your evaluation data i mean are you in a position now to say a little bit more about whether the policy has worked or not in terms of people drinking more and how much they're spending on alcohol? So we have done um, work around... Uh, so we tend to use alcohol sales to monitor population-level alcohol consumption. And we've we've shown that in the first year since the implementation of the policy, um, that alcohol consumption at a population level... Um, has fallen by about three, an estimated three and a half percent. So we have shown that there has been a reduction in sales. Um, that has been variable by different drink types. So we've seen greater reductions in cider, as you might expect, um, perry and spirits. And that obviously is linked to the type of products that would fall into those categories that were probably being sold at a relatively low price relative to their strength prior to the MEP being implemented. We have also shown that some products such as fortified wine and ready-to-drink beverages, which are less likely to have been impacted by the policy, have increased slightly. But overall, the balance has suggested that that sales and therefore the amount of alcohol that is being consumed has fallen. Um, We are conducting a study that we'll publish next year that's looking into a bit more detail about the impact on specific products rather than just at that category level. Um, In terms of price, we've 
There were a number of different theories about what might happen to alcohol product pricing after the policy was implemented. So, for example, potentially the differential between products could stay the same and everything could just shift um, up to the you know more expensive end or all of those products that are sold below 50 pence could just all shift to just above the 50 pence mark and nothing else might change and actually from the evidence that we've pre- presented and, and published it's that latter uh, picture that has happened so essentially what we've seen if we look at sort of price distribution products that were priced below 50 pence have tended just to shift to that sort of 50 55 maybe up to 60 pence kind of bracket and there's not been much change in the kind of higher end of the market. Okay, that's that's quite interesting. So are there any other areas of research that are being considered in terms of the impact the policy has had besides alcohol? Yeah, so, so it's written into the legislation that we have to um, evaluate on a range of different outcomes. And so those include not just um, the impact on sort of things like Uh, as I say, population consumption that we've already looked at. We're looking at specific parts of the population within that as well. So we'll be examining the impact on harmful drinkers specifically. Um, There's quite a bit of work around the economic impact. So how how the policy impacts on um, the alcohol industry, because that's obviously an important part of the uh, to be considered as well. Ultimately, the aim of this policy is to reduce alcohol-related harm. Um, Now, that's primarily focused around the harm to health because obviously there is a direct link between excess alcohol consumption and the risk to health. But there's also things like crime and other social harms to be considered. We've already published just recently some um, our evidence on crime and essentially we found that there was not much impact on crime, which is both sort of a positive and a negative. You know, you might expect that alcohol-related crime would have fallen, but a possible unintended consequence could have been that things like, for example, drug-related crime could have increased, and we didn't find that that happens. So there are sort of positive and negatives in there. In terms of the health harms, that's really the sort of end result of this policy is to try and reduce the number of people who are hospitalised or dying as a result of alcohol. And that's a piece of work that we are working on at the moment that we will publish probably in 2023. Um, So we're looking at the impact of alcohol on a range of alcohol attributable um, deaths and hospitalisations. And so that will be um, one of the the, the most important um, pieces of evidence that we we, uh, publish. So I'm going to turn to Paul now. Um, Paul, can you start by giving us an overview of the research you're doing here at the University of Aberdeen on minimum unit pricing, or MUP, as we've been calling it? Yes, uh, thank you. Yes, this this, this, uh, project on MUP forms part of a a portfolio of research which we're looking at in terms of health behaviours. Um, so looking at the influences of um, um, policy and other factors on why people um, do certain things in terms of their health behaviour. So we'll, we look at alcohol, we look at physical activity, um, um, smoking uh, are just some of the things that we're influenced, are, are interested in. Um, and we look at the influences of uh, policy and other factors on people's health behaviour. So, so this particular policy, the MUP policy, minimum unit pricing, were funded by the Chief Scientist Office of the Scottish Government uh, Health and Social Care Directors. And we're doing a two-year study. Um, and what we're doing in this study is looking at whether the policy has some unintended 
um, consequences on people's food shopping. And on top of that, we're also looking at the effects on the quality of the diet and whether there are any health impacts from any changes we see in diet quality. So, so we're looking at um, information collected by a market research organisation, very, very large organisation called Kantar World Panel. So this panel comprises around, they've got around 30,000 British households at any one time. And what happens here is that the same households provide information over time. So what they do is collect information from households that have previously signed up to be part of their data collection surveys. And there's a nominated member from each household. And what that person does is scan all of their shopping using a barcode scanner. Um, what panellists also do, they also upload di a digital image of their till receipts. And that's used to verify the accuracy of the scanner data. So, so what's happening here is households then are documenting all purchases irrespective of where that purchase was made. So as a result of all this, we've got very, a very thorough idea of what was bought, how much was bought, when it was bought and how much they paid for it. So really a kind of great, fantastic data set. Um, that you would that you would really like to you know look at the effects of uh, policy in terms of uh, food. So so what we're doing then with that data is we compare the purchases in Scotland um, before and after the introduction of minimum unit pricing with the purchases made in the north of England, where the policy sorry where we look at north of England specifically, but but in the whole of England the policy hasn't been introduced. Um, there's no um, plans, uh, as far as I'm aware, to introduce it. Um, so we do a, a before and after study comparing Scotland with the north of England. And that allows us to estimate the effects of this policy. Um, the other thing to say, we've got information also on other things in the household, such as people's income uh, and also how many people live in the household. And that's really important because it allows us to measure to what extent any difference in spending is, is due to the policy or it's actually due to other uh, different household circumstances. Um, <clears throat> the final part then, we've got all this food data, we can convert uh, food spending data, we convert that, that data into nutritional effects. So by that I mean things such as fat, sugar, salt, calories, and we've got a nutritional expert in the project who helps us with this and takes the lead on it. And from there, we can then estimate the impact on health. So does a change in calories or sugar lead to a change in the probability of developing things such as diabetes? Okay. So just to clarify, you're looking at general food shopping rather than specifically alcohol shopping. So um, why is that? What's interesting about the general food shopping if we are evaluating the alcohol pricing policy? Well, yeah, we've got um, food, food data as well as um, uh, and actually non-food uh, items um, as well in this data set besides alcohol. So, so the reason for looking at this is um, some of the early modelling um, results before the introduction of the policy. Um, predicted there could well be a rise, um, a small rise, admittedly, but a rise in spending on alcohol. 
And there was some uh, um, concern or interest, let's say, uh, around looking at the full impacts, both anticipated and non-anticipated impacts of the policy. So really looking at this policy holistically. Uh, and, and also we can think we can think about why we would want to do that if we think about, um, I, I can bring in you know, economics and some of the consumer behaviour theory here. Um, if we take um, economics first, we know that prices have an important effect on consumer behaviour. So a price rise for, for one product should reduce the amount bought of that product. And then, and, and alcohol falls into this category, of course. Um, and so the interesting thing here is some of the early modelling studies showed that while we expect people to, to have bought less alcohol because prices have gone up because of minimum unit pricing, but they would actually spend more in total. And that's because the, the quantity purchased is, is less than proportionate to the price increase. So they're spending a little bit um, less, they're buying a little bit less on alcohol, but the overall alcohol spend for some people could actually be more. If they're spending more on alcohol, what's actually displaced could be food. And um, if they're buying less um, uh, healthy food, let's say, is it unhealthy or is it healthy food that they're buying less off? And that thing hasn't, hasn't been looked at. And that's one of the reasons we're, we've been funded to look at this. Okay, right. That's very interesting. And so the research is still ongoing. And I know you can't reveal all the findings yet, but um, what do you think you will find? Do you have an expectation? Um, yeah, so that just relates to some of the, some of the comments I've just made that um, we, we might expect some displacement for some people. Um, and so, so one of the reasons we think that then is how people buy their alcohol. Lots of, lots of alcohol is bought in supermarkets um, you know, in the weekly shop. And around the time of the, and I think um, Public Health Scotland has maybe done some work on this, um, to what extent did people notice um, this policy? Uh, there was quite a lot of publicity around the policy. Um, and at the time, people would have noticed, depending on what they were buying, but many people would have noticed prices going up. Um, and if you're doing your shop, your 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 food sh your food shop along with your general shop, then we talk about a basket of goods. Um, people might start to think twice about how much they're spending on food and groceries. Equally, they're pos possibly also thinking about how much they're spending on alcohol. So, so there could well be a reconsideration in terms of how much is being spent on alcohol, which might induce a reduction in that spending. Okay, so, so, so it, it, it can go slightly, more than one way. Okay, so it's not absolutely clear which direction, what effect we, we, could, um, we could see. But there were some prior um, modelling studies done before the introduction of the policy. And we can actually now see how this has all played out in practice. So, so um, Lucy mentioned earlier some work Public Health Scotland have done showing there has been a reduction in in the amount of alcohol um, in terms of pure alcohol bought. So 
a, a figure of I think three percent was mentioned there. Al the amount of alcohol sold in terms of total volume of alcohol in the year after the policy. So there has been a drop off, and other independent work has shown um, um, a, a reduction as well. So there's one of the earliest studies by um, by a, by another academic group using the same data set, the the Cantar data set, showed a reduction in purchases of just over a unit of alcohol per adult per week. And that was in the year following the introduction of um, minimum unit pricing. So the, the, this, the, this was results back in um, June through to the end of uh, December 2018. So, so there's fairly strong evidence that, you know, the overall amount of alcohol being, being sold in Scotland has reduced. And there's also now good evidence coming on board around spending. Um, we've got a range of estimates, so the, the, the range between something like £15 per adult per year to £25 per adult per year in terms of alcohol spending um, going up. So, so again, the evidence then overall is pointing towards the average household in Scotland is spending a little bit more on alcohol following the policy. So, so I think there's still, it's still the question remains that there's still a bit of an open question has there been an impact on food shopping? So that's what we're looking at in this study. It, it, the, the, we would expect to see some, in, possibly some changes for some groups, uh, go, you know, an increase in some for some groups, a reduction in other groups. It, it, in overall, in terms of overall population level, it could well balance out. You know, it could well balance out. That it would be very a small reduction on either side in terms of food shopping. So we don't expect to find major um, effects. I think that's our, our uh, kind of our hypothesis that we're testing. We expect to find, um, if we do expect to find any effect, we expect it to be a small effect at total population level. Okay, so we'll need to, be, to wait a little bit longer to hear about your results in um, the, the specific results. But once you have these results, what will you do with them? Um, that's a very good question. And um, we're, we're always thinking about this in terms of any academic research and policy, particularly policy relevant research we're doing. So th th this is a great project to be involved in because um, of the um, sunset clause that Lucy mentioned earlier and how um, all of the... In all of the research evidence uh, will be fed through and collated together and that will directly um, inform the Scottish Government decision. Um, I think anticipated to be sometime around 2023, um, it was maybe five years after the introduction of the policy, inform that decision of whether to retain the, the policy going forward. So, so our research will be part of that um, uh, collaborative um, effort uh, that, that's going to be that's going to be happening. The, the other thing to say, we'll, we'll be doing other things. Um, still, other countries are are looking at what Scotland is doing uh, in terms of what the impact has been. Um, Ireland, Australia. Um, that, that I know of those. Those are a couple of examples, and so we we, we will be we will be publish publishing, and presenting. Uh, you know, at the at the at the at the meetings where some of the some of the voices and uh, ears of other people will be there, to to just listen to what we what we find. The other thing is the the Scottish Parliament cross party group on food, um, 
um, uh, meets uh, fairly regularly. And that is one avenue we will be looking to, to, to inform inform that group of our, our initial and fi final conclusions. Finally, we'll be doing work with the public. I'll go on to say a little bit more about that. Um, and, and, and of course, the other things we'll be doing, social media, um, our Twitter account. Once our final report's been published and is in the public domain, which we anticipate will be from the middle of uh, 2022, that we'll be, we'll be publish, publishing and highlighting it there through, through Twitter. And so thinking ahead then about uh, uh, the future, um, are you looking into the impact of potential changes then to the policy itself? Yes, yeah, so we're not um, formally considering this as part of our project. It wasn't written into our project um, plan when we received the funding. Um, it wasn't a specific research question. But but we are planning some public engagement work in the near future. We'll be sharing some of our findings with local community groups, uh, and so that the the main the main reason for doing that is to get a sense check on the results, uh, But it's also clearly going to give us an opportunity to listen to people from different areas and different backgrounds, and as part of that, we think it will be a, a a good idea to kind of think ahead, and. And think through when this review is coming. One of the things that might be on the table um, is around the prospects of a higher minimum unit price. And that's already being talked about and suggested by some, some alcohol charities um, here. And we're not, we're not aware of anyone doing this um, in terms of research yet. So we, we might be the first to be looking at this with members of the public um, if, if, we, if we start start this activity quite soon in the next few months. So so it's interesting to consider really in going down that avenue what the impact might be with a higher price. Of course it does depend what price is set. A price of 60 pence per unit has been talked about. There's even been a suggestion of 65 pence by one of the alcohol charities. I, I've seen that um, in the press re fairly recently. Um, and it's quite interesting to see actually where prices are currently set and where they're, how, how, how far away they are from 50p per unit um, already. And my reading of this just recently is some of the beers and ciders are kind of pitched around the minimum unit price and some of the wines and spirits tend to be a bit further away. So, so the impact of any higher price is going to partly depend on retailers and what retailers do in terms of price promotion. And of course, it's also going to depend on what consumers do in terms of their responsiveness. Are some alcohol products more responsive than others to another, to, to another price hike? Is there, I think retailers talk about price points being really quite important. Um, and to what extent does a product just just go above a certain price point or just come under a certain price point? Um, so I think that'd be interesting to look at and it's something we do plan to look at, um, you know, in the near future. Thank you. So, yeah, still loads of um, important questions that uh, need to be answered and uh, we're going to look um, ahead on, uh, you know, on your results. And uh, hopefully invite you both back, maybe, um, in a little while to uh, find out more.
I'd like to thank uh, you both, Paul, Paul and Lucy, for uh, a very interesting overview and insight into the minimum unit pricing policy and what could be some uh, uh, possible consequences of its introduction. And uh, we are always interested in uh, uh, hearing the views of our audience. So uh, if you have any questions or comments, please do email us at uh, uh, peru at abdn.ac.uk. That's P-E-R-U at abdn.ac.uk. And uh, yeah, feel free to uh, post questions or comment uh, uh, on this topic. And please keep your ears open for our next Cafe Connect podcast. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen.